0: G'day, mate. Welcome to episode 70 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In today's episode, I sit down with ultra endurance bike packing cyclist Steve Halligan. Now, Steve Halligan has done some of the biggest bike packing events around the globe, and he is an absolute legend. I first met Steve uh, doing the tour of Aotearoa in 2016. Great guy. Uh, He's just been over and done the Tour Divide over in America. So I thought it'd be really interesting to get him on, have a chat about his experience bikepacking, where he's come from, how he approaches his training, his nutrition. Because he's a vegetarian, can throw a few issues in there for nutrition, especially out on the trail, and just find a little bit more about what he does. So if you don't know what is bikepacking, Bikepacking is an event where everybody starts and then you've just got to get to the finish. Often they are a 1,000 plus kilometers long. Um, In the likes of the Tour Divide, it's 4,400 kilometers. Steve done a massive 31-day Terra Australis uh, epic in Australia, And that was 6,400 kilometers long. So the events that Steve does are huge in duration. Now, it's not like, let's say, the Tour de France or other long endurance bike races where there's team cars, where there's uh, people helping you, people giving you food. You stay in a motel at the end of the day. No, these are all self-supported, meaning that you carry all your stuff with you. They have to decide when they're going to stop, they have to decide where they're going to get their food from, they've got to decide where the water might be found on course. These are logistical uh, missions uh, in themselves, not just that physical component. So Steve gets into that a little bit, how he manages that. Usually people take camping gear, or either a small lightweight tent or a bivy bag, and a lot of the times, people are just stopping and sleeping on the side of the road or under trees or in little shelters in town whatever it might be so this is a little bit of a exploration into the world of ultra endurance bike packing with steve halligan let's get into it welcome to the exponential performance podcast Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and
1: maximize your performance, no matter who you are.
0: Welcome, mate. Good to have you here. Um, when I actually, long story short, I did a little bit of an interview uh, a while ago of all of our podcast listeners and was asking them what they uh, what they wanted to see on the show. Is there any sort of people that um, that I should that they'd be interested in hearing from, and your name was on the list. So oh, I'm wow. not sure if you filled out the uh, <laughs> the survey <laughs> yourself, mate. But someone uh, was super keen to hear from you, so that's one of the primary reasons that you're here. Yeah. Um. Thank you. And I think I first met you. It must have been 2016. Tour of Aotearoa, We were riding down 90 Mile Beach, and yeah, everyone was sort of sussing everybody out. And once yeah. we got off. Off the beach, we sort of broke away into a couple of little groups and spent the next few days riding along with you, having a great old chat. Yeah, it was awesome. And so before the tour of Aotearoa, how did you get into the whole ultra-endurance mountain biking thing?
1: Um, well, I only got into mountain biking really when I came to New Zealand in 2008. Probably within that first year, I started mountain biking. Before that, I used to ride bikes, but never single track, never racing, so it's relatively recent. And then, yeah, entered cross-country races and probably got into the more longer distance stuff with the Kiwi Breves. Mm -hmm. And I think the first one of those I'd done must have been 2012 or something. Yep. And they've done a couple of them, and then Tour Aotearoa 2016, and then, yeah, developed from there, I guess escalated very quickly one might say. It did, yeah and I became hooked very quickly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it's always it's always interesting to reflect back on sort of where where people have come from and I was reading through um, one of your blogs again and it said that your first race that you did was the Molesworth Muster. Yeah. And, and at the end of it you laid on the ground exhausted.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. And,
0: and you, f- you finished well down the field. I can't remember exactly what the placing was. But, yeah. you know, to go, to go from that, what's the logical progression from that through to, you know, riding across countries?
1: Yeah, I know. It's like the toss. When I heard about the Kiwi Breve, it's 1,100 kilometers. I was like, wow, how do those guys do that? That's amazing. And then I'd done it. And I rode with... Brian Alder from Takaka, Jeff Lyle from Wellington, Cliff Claremont. I remember that first year. And they had a little bit more experience than me, so it was fantastic. And then, yeah, done that and it just gives you such confidence to look how much further you can go. And yeah, done another one. Started riding more and then I had my eye on the tour divide, of course. Oh, and tour Aotearoa, I did have to pull out after four days on that one, injuring my knee, but I did go back and finish it a a couple of months later. So yeah, it escalated and I just found endurance, challenge, and that really is what attracts me to it, you know. And so you're you're not a professional athlete, Uh, I don't think there are
0: many professionals in the world of ultra-endurance cycling, so what do you get up to on a
1: day-to-day basis around all of this crazy riding? You mean uh, my normal day-to-day basis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well I live in Hammer Springs. and um, I run a wellness retreat with my wife, Mary Jo. We've been running this uh retreat called Vibrant Living Retreat for four and a half years now. In Hammer Springs. So um I take care of uh a lot of the food side of us, bookings and helping with everything. It's quite general really, you know. We have permaculture gardens, got my own chickens over there. Um, But we work as a team, yep. so yeah, we, we run retreats and we do B and B accommodation and day spa massages and lots of other modalities. So it's Doesn't quite varied mean. and flexible. Yeah. So you so you
0: balance that balance that with your training racing.
1: Yeah, it works really well. Before that, I I'm a builder by trade, so I was building, and now it's much more flexible for what I'm doing now. You know lots of yeah. riding my bicycle i make it work for me
0: yeah fantastic mate the way yeah. it should be the way it should yeah. be yeah
1: it's good man it's a good balance
0: yeah awesome so just jumping back to the tour of aotearoa 2016 mm. um four days into it uh talk to me about your knee what was happening there
1: yeah i think it happened um and it was only a couple of months after that i think this is where it actually happened was heading up um, that big climb before the bridge to nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was quite you know, muddy and slippery. And my two wheels started sliding and I saved us mm-hmm. and I didn't crash. But I think I put pressure on my knee. Seb Dunn was behind me and he was like, wow, you're lucky you didn't come falling into the mud there. And yeah, the day after it was really painful, it started swelling up. And then of course, rolled all the way to Fanganui rested there that night and got to Masterton and mm-hmm. then yeah it was too painful I couldn't put any pressure on the pedal so yeah I yep. called it called it quits there yeah, so, yeah that yeah. was really really frustrating at the time because mm-hmm. I went down and got the train down to the ferry then and Anya and I don't know were you on the ferry you must have been no I'd tried not there?
0: by that stage that uh you weren't I far think, behind <laughs> yeah that day after Fonganui was a uh, everything sort of blew to pieces yeah, <laughs> the bike sort of blew blew to pieces after yeah. Ollie got his shoes stolen. Yeah, nah, uh, i I I blew up in a big way. My leg's completely cucked. It um, Cliff was off the back somewhere. In, yeah, in a, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: In a motel somewhere. So in the,
1: I, I was just so disappointed to miss out on so much fun and riding with <laughs> such a good crew as well. You know,
0: absolutely.
1: But I've done yeah. this and I've done it again. and I'm doing it again next year. So
0: oh, you are awesome. Oh, yeah. and so so you went back. Was it like a month or a month or two later and, and finished it off?
1: Yeah, um, I think it was about six weeks later. My knee was, you know, feeling fine. And I got the ferry across, got the train up to Masterton. And, yeah, completed this in another six days, I think. <clears throat> yeah, fantastic. And you must have been stoked to,
0: to nail that one finally. Yeah, yeah I was too stoked
1: not to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good man. I really wanted to do it. It was, it was, it was really cool.
0: And so the next next big race after that you did was the Tour Divide, which uh, for those that don't know, go from Banff, Canada, all the way down to New Mexico, sort of along the the Rocky Mountains there. Yeah. That's that's about four and a half thousand. Oh, sorry, four thousand five hundred kilometres, isn't it?
1: Um, I think it's four four actually. Four
0: four. Yeah, yeah. about that. What's a hundred k's between, mates? Yeah, so?
1: exactly. And that
0: sort <laughs> of race, it's not much. <laughs> so you didn't have the uh, best of luck on that. Was it? but of few mechanical problems on the first yeah, day?
1: 2017, after about 100 kilometers, um, I ripped my derailleur off in this incredibly sticky mud. Yeah, so had to, I tried to fix it, tried to make it single speed, and it wasn't really working out that well for me. And it was cold, it was raining, so I decided to walk. So I walked for about five hours to a small little village called Elkford, and then stayed there. The next day, I had to get a ride, hitchhiked to Fernie, which was 60 kilometers away, where there was bike shops, mm-hmm. and I got it fixed and hitched back to, to rejoin the route, of course. And yeah, I lost 24 hours about before starting off again, so yeah, it was a bit of a, bit of a bummer, but. Once I got going again, I was happy. It was really cool Mm. catching people and chatting to people. Yeah. And I finished it. So
0: yeah, awesome. Um, There's so many things that can go wrong and they usually always do, don't they?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So many things like there's so many variables, you know, you can make all the plans you like, but you got to be prepared to change that plan because otherwise, yeah, not good. So. So,
0: following that, in 2018, you did the the Terra Australis. Is that how you say that?
1: Yeah, it's the Terra Australis bike epic. Yeah, and that was
0: huge. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Talk us through the stats of that one. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it was the inaugural one, the first one. It's on right now, actually, but there's only Ah. three people doing it this year, I think. Um, It's 6,400 kilometers. all the way from the northerly most tip of Australia, top of Cape York, to the southerly most tip of um, mainland Australia, a place called Wilson's Mhm. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing ride. It took me 31 days, all sorts of terrain, weather, everything. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so what...
0: How do you get through 31 days of, of riding? Like, what, what's the process for you? What does it look like? Do you break it down into to days or stages or certain landmarks? Or how do you approach, a, you know, 6,000-odd kilometers of riding?
1: Yeah, um, definitely into stages and then smaller stages and micro stages. And the micro stages will be the next pretty much the next place you get a service where you can buy some food or whatever. And then bigger stages might be every one thousand kilometers or something. So you have these targets and it's nice for me anyway to to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to break break it up because if you think you've got like four thousand kilometers to go, that can be mentally <laughs> tough, you know. <laughs> and when you're in the middle of nowhere, so it's nice to nice to think, yeah, you know, you have another 150 or 200k's to go and you, you're there, so mm. yeah, definitely broken Yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah, and there's been many times where I've been, you know, let's say five hours into <laughs> into a, you know, three or four day ride and you're absolutely spent and yeah. the, uh, you can't think about the next, you know, thousand odd kilometres you've got to go uh, mm. or, you know, let alone you know, four or five thousand kilometres and you're in your, uh, in your case, how do you, how do you manage your, your sleeping, uh, do you look for motels or I think I read you, you spent six nights out of those 31 days in, in beds, uh, say in a hotel, everything else was spent camping out.
1: Yeah, it was in Australia and the weather was generally pretty warm and hot, especially in the northern half, a bit colder in the mountains. Yeah, I'm quite happy. I nearly always carry a tent and my sleeping bag, sleeping mat, so it's quite comfy and I'm quite happy camping anywhere really. Um, I went into sports fields, got slept under balconies, you know, school grounds, you know, stealth camping wherever wherever's you know, you can lay out your mats or set up your tents. I'm quite happy to do that. And normally it's, you know, laid at night nice and I'm away before before it gets bright, so you're not really noticed,
0: yeah, absolutely, just a classic yeah. bike packing bum it is uh, isn't it yeah, you know, sleeping around <laughs> the place exactly yeah, so I guess that brings us to two thousand and nineteen to the tour divide again, yeah. um, obviously <clears throat> you you had a few a few things to make up for after your first one losing that twenty four hours with your broken derailleur, so what what was your sort of mindset going into the Tour Divide for two thousand and nineteen? What did you
1: want to get out of it? Um, again, I just wanted to give it my best shots, and obviously, I was hoping for a clean run without any mechanicals. I was really looking forward to it. So I was pretty confident. My training had gone well. Um, yeah, just to have, just to give it my best shot, really, mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Yeah, and you.
0: Ended up coming in in 16 days and three hours, if I
1: read things yeah, correctly. I think um, so, yeah. And
0: a very close finish
1: towards the end there. Uh, yeah. Um, Chris who won it, I think it was 15 days and I can't remember how many hours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I ended up fourth place. So I was in second with two days to go, but my knee flared up probably from my two crashes in Colorado. Which kinda hurt. Uh, so it was kind of annoying to to lose a couple of places like that, but overall once once that happened and I had to stop for fourteen hours just to rest this. It was just a matter of getting to the finish really. Mm -hmm. I had to kinda just accept that and get to the end. So Yeah, knees,
0: eh? Knees and like (laughs) ultra endurance cycling is Oh my god. If you can look after your knees and, and come up with a bulletproof knee, I think it makes such a difference
1: because they always get yeah. such a hammering, don't they? They do. And yeah, like, since Tour Aotearoa, when I did hurt my knee, it was fine all through more Kiwi Breves and the other Tour Aotearoa, mm-hmm. Like, no problems. I did have a couple of hard crashes, and I think that probably hurt something. And then, uh, yeah, it was... Pretty painful pushing down the pedals the second last day and it got better the last day and I got to the end. But yeah, your eyes and knees are pretty important. Yeah, big time. Pedals and all that.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So with some super extreme ultra endurance bikepacking events under your belt, how do you or how has your training approach changed over time or how do you approach your training now? you're leading up to these events
1: yeah oh, I'm pretty relaxed about my training like I don't really put schedules on myself I don't use a coach I ride when I can as much as I can um, I like to ride with my gear all the gear I'll be carrying probably mm-hmm. for about three months and just get into the hills and do loads of climbing Um, so my approach probably hasn't changed that much in that respect just yeah getting hours on the bike and making it hard as well and doing some multi-day trips
0: yep if you're if you're sort of thinking like a uh like a big a big training volume week for you how Mm -hmm. many k's or how many hours would you spend on on a bike
1: uh a big a big training week might be 500 kilometers Mm -hmm. yeah or even more if I do like a three or four day multi-day, I'll try and kind of replicate what I'd be doing in an ultra endurance race, which is often between two and three hundred kilometers a day. So yeah, yeah it, can, it, can, it can differ, but I'd like, to get, I'd like to get a few, definitely a few weeks with that amount of Ks in, mm-hmm. just to, to get the legs used to it, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And is, is the majority of your training volume uh, sort of that sort of steady aerobic pace riding or do you insert sort of higher intensity interval work in there at all? Or,
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I enjoy riding on my road bike as well and I'll just do intervals on the hills, up the streets in Hanmere or down to the bridge and back. Yeah, so I do do some in- higher intensity as well. Yeah, awesome. I Bit of a mix. Help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. And obviously hills as well. Lots of hills. There seems to be. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of hills in Tour Divide, and there's a lot of hills in Tour Eotearoa, as you know. Yep, plenty yeah. of them. Yeah, but I actually I have nothing against climbing. I like it. Uh,
0: you do. You climb very <laughs> well. Um, if If Chris Froome loaded up his bike with bike packing gear, I think you'd be uh He'd be a match for you. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of people ask me, oh, would you like to do Tour, Tour de France and all that? Oh, they're so different, you know. Like those Not guys probably you. struggle to do this, and I'd struggle to do Tour de France. They're so different, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's really interesting. Um, and when you're looking at your gear, mm-hmm. um, I, I remember from Tour of Ate Aura, you had a pretty lightweight setup um from what i was what i was seeing um how has your setup changed over time uh with sort of experience and selection of stuff
1: yeah um it's probably got lighter i've spent probably a bit more money on you know lighter gear more compressible as Mm. i said i normally carry a tent i just like to have a a tent as opposed to a bivvy for the most part um Yeah, you kind of, you tweak all the time and you learn things on every race. But the last few times I've been really happy with my setup. It's, I'm used to this. It's, you know, got everything I need from waterproofs to shelter. So,
0: yeah. And you've got some uh, really good articles on your blog as well about the gear that you take for different events. You lay it all out. And so if anyone wants to see that, um, you know, well uh selfpropelled13.com that's your blog site
1: yeah that's, right. that's my blog website with there's some stories and pictures on there yeah there's some really good stuff on there some some super interesting stuff um, Thanks.
0: do you carry anything for cooking when you're out on these long rides no no because a, a lot of people, it's a it's a big hurdle for them to get over, isn't it? This concept of not taking something to
1: cook food. Yeah. Um, I do if I'm just maybe training. I potentially would, but racing, no, no. I just kind so of buy what I need as I go.
0: Yeah. So... Now that we're sort of moving in that direction of nutrition, um, what's your daily nutrition like? Just on a day-to-day basis, in terms of training, what's sort of your approach to nutrition
1: for training? Um, eat pretty healthily. Been vegetarian for about twenty years. Yeah, breakfast. I love porridge. Um, lots of veggies, rice, pastas, um, and fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah generally eat pretty well and yep. um, it can be a bit more difficult during rest time of course to get all those.
0: Yeah, so that sort of vegetarian um, nutrition can be a little bit harder on the road, eh? So how do you, yeah. how do you go about getting what you need, um, say from a, from a service station or from a petrol station or the corner dairy?
1: Yeah, um, I tend to go for bananas, nuts, salted nuts, getting a lot of salt in there, sandwiches that had vegetarian ones, Snickers bars or whatever, and power bars, protein bars. There seems to be a lot more protein bars now. Some of them are good, some of them are not so good. Um, in America, for instance, it was nearly all service stations all the way. I hardly had a sit-down meal in the mm. whole route. Um, so they had good selection of protein bars and not always bananas. There were some Subways along the way, so mm. Subway sandwiches. So, yeah, it can be a little bit tricky, but, you know, you manage. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one thing because, I
0: mean, in New Zealand, one of the classic uh, uh, ultra-endurance bikepacking foods is, is pies. You know, you can tend yeah. to get them anywhere. Uh, yeah. they, they taste pretty good when you're cold, and uh, you can eat them for breakfast. Uh, or when, when the pies are colder the next day, you know, they don't get all squished yeah. up. And So, I mean, with, with pies off the menu, I'm not even sure how you do it, to be honest
1: with you. <laughs> uh, there is some vegetarian pies, I guess, and if I see one of those, I'd grab one. You know what it's like. You know, you will you will just grab what you can when you yep. need it because, you know, you get pretty hungry on these things and, you know, you might down some soft drink, um, which I don't normally drink, but on things like that, you'd have a Coke or whatever. Yep. You just burn it off, I guess. Um, but, yeah, you get Absolutely. what you can. Yeah. It's fuel for the engine at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It seems to be all right. It seems to work.
0: So... If you're sitting down for to plan out, let's say like a tour divide, um yep. what what's your approach to the race in terms of like the strategy of how you approach something like this, um how you plan your sleep,
1: how you plan your pacing, that sort of thing? Yeah, um I really don't plan it that much. I just go into it and I guess my rough plan is I always seem to ride until at least midnight. I like riding well into the evening and then stop for like three or four hours, four and a half hours, and then normally up before the sun rises and moving again. But that can change too. You know, if I'm feeling really good, I might ride into the night, you know, a bit longer, and, you know, have less sleep, maybe two hours. so but sleep is crucial i think you know i have mm-hmm. done i think um yeah i've done one all-nighter in the last tour divide and maybe one in the previous one but i feel that it catches up with you and you might suffer you know the day or the day after doing Absolutely. that so for me sleep is <clears throat> important yep. three hours at least
0: yeah so you're looking like three to three and a half four hours of yeah. sleep a night so, yeah. which works out kind of good. Like in New Zealand, pretty much all of the brevets that we have here, there are mandatory sleep times, mm. and um, I always find that that four hours is kind of a nice number because you're guaranteed at least four hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of nice ha- having to have that, you know.
1: It is good. Yeah, I have nothing against that. It's good. Um, but yeah,
0: running on less sleep does become quite intense doesn't it Uh, multiple days in a row so yeah what's the what's the sort of least amount of sleep that you'd usually that you'd you know sometimes run on or when would be times that you would take those shorter sleep blocks
1: um yeah if i'm feeling really good and maybe i'm chasing down someone and i feel if i do a shorter sleep block i can gain some ground and I go pretty well on, you know, not too much sleep. Even in general living, I'm not a, a big sleeper. Like seven hours is normally enough mm-hmm. for me. So I guess that kind of fits in with my ultra endurance riding, you know? Yeah, so funny. yeah, um, if I'm feeling good and feel I need only a couple hours sleep, if it is good quality sleep, two hours or yeah, just get up and go again.
0: And and you one for setting an alarm and getting up super early in these rides as well? So like you said you would ride to say, let's say midnight, get a few hours sleep, and so you'd be getting up at like 3, maybe 4 a.m. again. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'd always set an alarm. Yeah. 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 A couple That's... of times I've pressed the snooze and slept through it a few times. but
0: <laughs> Before you know it, it's two hours later.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I always find it super hard, eh? Because... I usually, in, say, like a Great Southern Brevet or the Tour of Aotearoa, I'd always plan my sleep, so I'd ride a little bit later into the night and then sleep so that I would wake up as it was getting light because I always found it so hard to have that alarm go off and just be completely exhausted and have to get up and ride in the dark again.
1: Yeah, yeah. I always struggle with that. Yeah, you're right. Um, Well, probably the most challenging thing for me, is getting up as you say when it's dark and it's freezing cold. Like some of the nights in Tour Divide, it's you're up pretty high altitude. It's mm. so cold, and you know you're putting on the cycling gear, the shoes, the socks, and you know they're often wet. And we had snow to deal with, so that's really, really hard. And you know you're waiting for the sun to come up, um, and it might be over the mountain, so you might have to wait an extra hour before the mm. sun hits your skin. So, yeah, you're right. That is challenging, but, yeah, that's what we do, isn't it? It's going kind to of hard enough and get on with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's interesting. And, and how do you go around, around pacing as well? Are you looking to ride a certain number of hours a day or a certain
1: uh, mileage or kilometers per day? Um, no, I don't really have any targets in kilometers or hours because – can depend on the terrain as well, and you know the weather. Um, yeah, just how I feel, really. You mm-hmm. know, but it's normally eighteen to twenty hours. Yep. I would say with a few stops here and there, getting yep. food. Yeah,
0: and but you, like I don't,
1: yeah, I don't have a, a plan as such. Yep, yep, sort of
0: loose, loose guidelines that you stick to.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm pretty. Yeah, I don't really come up with too many strategies or plans in that respect, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, interesting, because I know, um, you know, some riders are super calculated, aren't they? They've got their wee spreadsheet that's laminated in their back pocket that's got, Mm -hmm. you know, this is where the food is, this is the kilometers, and and riding very
1: scripted, so to speak, but
0: kind of the opposite.
1: I do normally use cue sheets, but just mainly for, yeah, some information about where food is and distances, Mm -hmm. but if if I don't reach that, like, the thing I love about self-supported ultra-endurance riding is you got everything on your bike, so you don't, I don't feel like I have to reach a town, if I don't Mm -hmm. reach it that nice, it's going to be there in the morning, so I'll just ride in, and then I can grab food then, you know, so, it's not crucial if I don't make it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like you say, if you're camping, and you know you don't have to get to a town to sleep, then
1: yeah, uh, it gives you great flexibility.
0: You know, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. So I read in uh, one of your race reports that I think it was one of your earlier Tour Divide potentially that you know it didn't really matter how much you trained or how much you prepared that mental attitude was everything, I think it said. So yeah. do you do anything specifically leading into an event to sort of get your headspace in, in the right, right space? Uh, or how do you approach it mentally?
1: Um, do I do anything specifically? You know, we're, we're a wellness retreat here. We do meditations. I'm a pretty relaxed guy. Um, pretty positive. So, do I do it? Um, I don't know. When I'm when I'm actually in the races, you know, I'm doing my own. I make up my own affirmations, or as I go, you know, you're always kind of thoughts running through your head. Just yeah, just thinking positively, really, because you know, you can't let any niggly injuries or anything get into your head, or you know, it'll just fester away. So. Mm. yeah yeah that that the, positive attitude you have to be you have to be ready for it
0: absolutely i mean that positive mm. attitude is such a big thing like if you're thinking day one of the you know the tour divide so you get, you're not even not even one sixteenth of the way through it and you've got <laughs> a broken derailleur how how do you mentally deal with that it'd be so easy just yeah. to say bugger it
1: yeah, yeah, that was that was particularly tough. I remember I was like cursing, you know, side of the road. It's snowing, freezing. A hundred riders passing me, and then walking. So, yeah, I just I just said, all right, I, I'm not quitting because I came all this way to do the Tour Divide, and when I got back to the small village and I actually got a motel that night. And, yeah, I just refocused and I just asked myself, what's the bigger why? Why am I doing this? And, you know, I want to do my best and want to be up there. But ultimately, I want to be just riding my bike in a new country on a new trail and having fun because, you know, an adventure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the next morning I was, yeah, it was totally different. I said, "All right, I'm going to get to Fernie, fix my bike, get back in the route. And I actually had such an amazing time riding down the country. And yeah, I had a target of getting to the top ten and I finished fourth that year, so yeah, it went really well. You know, overall I was delighted with that with that run down the down yeah, the route. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's,
0: that's another thing as well as if you know, if you hadn't get that positive mental attitude and focused on how do you get back in the race even, you know, mm. how do I get my bike fixed, I've got to get here, I've got to hitch a ride, I've got to, you know, get that fixed, I've got to get back onto the route now, and yeah. then actually start again. If you couldn't actually string all of those things together because you're so frustrated or so, you know, tunnel vision of this sucks now because of, you know, yeah. hundred riders are in front of me, um, yeah, turns to custard pretty quick. Yeah. And, of and likewise in, in 2019, um, having two crashes in, t- in two days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, did, what was your thought process around those? Um, the first crash wasn't too bad. So I fell on my side and kind oh. of hurt my ribs a little bit. And the second crash was, it was after dark and I hit some mud and went down pretty hard and busted my nose. And, hurt my hand, which was a crack in my metacarpal, it turned out to be, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty tough, I guess, um, but again, I, the next had a sleep, cleaned up, refocused, reset my, my energy, I guess, and the next day, things were brighter, a bit sore, but you know, back in the race, and I was still in a good position. And, yeah. Like I guess um, I've had a few a few challenges so I'm kinda getting used to it now so I can pick myself up pretty quick. But as you say, you know, it's very easy to go down and to go down the, the rabbit hole I guess and think, oh no, how am I gonna do this? And these ultra endurance races, like up to fifty percent don't finish them. Fifty percent mm-hmm. of the riders don't finish most of them. So yeah, they're pretty pretty tough mentally as well as physically.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I would I would tend to agree with you that it is more more mental than physical. You know, all you have yeah. to do is is keep keep riding. That's all you have to physically do, is is keep riding, which is not actually a very hard thing to do when you know the pace is relatively low after the first few days, and yeah. everyone sort of gets into their endurance plod. It's the people yeah. that that decide that they you know they can't do it anymore, and they need to stop. They're the ones that the ones that stop, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like I, I just say to myself, "This too shall pass," because nearly everything passes. Like the the headwind won't be there forever. The storm mm-hmm. won't be there forever. Even aches and pains, it's it's all just energy, and it'll move. You know, it's just a pain is probably just blocked energy. So it, it all shifts and moves. So it's not going to last forever. So that's yeah, my that's, mindset, anyway.
0: It's <laughs> uh, it's a great thing as well. With like everyone says, like when you're when you're in the midst of a huge hill climb or a block headwind and it's consuming your life <laughs> uh, I literally think when was the last time that the hill didn't end? Do you know what i mean like <laughs> i've I've never ever ridden up a hill that hasn't ended yeah Do you know what I mean I've yeah. never ridden into a headwind forever,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: And yeah. when you actually start logically thinking about it, it's like, well, it's just, you just got to get on with it, don't you?
1: Yeah, just keep pedaling as slow as it might be. You're still moving forward. You're still getting there. You're still getting to your, your destination as such, you know? Yep. Yeah, so keep moving. Yeah, exactly. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I
0: always yeah. think about it as well that, you know, kind of bike packing or ultra-endurance riding is the person that can ride the slowest, the fastest. Because the intensity just drops out of, you know, everybody's legs pretty quickly after the first few days and everyone's just crawling along yeah. you know, in a, at a relative speed in terms of, you know, if you looked at the, say, a Tour de France or your normal bunch ride or whatever it is on a Sunday, you, you yeah. tend to creep along. And it's just who who can do that the, the fastest, you know, who can go the slowest the fastest.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah. What would your tips be, Steve, for uh, people looking at, to get into bikepacking? A you, you know, couple of key tips for those people that were, say, signing up maybe for a brevet or a, a tour of Aotearoa?
1: Yeah, um, well, I'd definitely say maybe start with the smaller ones, um, kiwi brevets. It's not it's 1,100 kilometers or whatever, but it's just to get a taste for us. Um, yeah test your gear and your training sleep out you know in the mountains and ride slowly build up your riding carrying food and being just self-sufficient really
0: yeah yeah being being comfortable just being in the middle of nowhere Right. Eh? yeah the of
1: that's
0: the night. a big
1: thing <laughs> yeah exactly because um new zealand's generally for wildlife is pretty safe, but there's always a bit of apprehension in North America for mountain lions and grizzlies, and then in Australia, of course, those crocodiles and other creatures. So, yeah, like not everybody's kind of comfortable with that. So that's something you got to deal with.
0: Absolutely. Mm. How did you get on in in Australia with all of the creepy crawlies over there? Did you have any enter in your tent to wake you up in the morning? <laughs>
1: no, I didn't. I think that's why I like my tent, because it's a little <laughs> safe haven, you know. Um, i seen, like, uh, didn't see any crocodiles. Yeah, seen heaps of wildlife, though. Yeah, lots of snakes and scorpions and stuff like that. Yep. But, yeah, didn't get any bites or anything else. It was pretty good. No drama. It's good. you still
0: in one piece. Well, largely yeah. in one piece. Yeah. <laughs> broken hand and now, what, broken
1: collarbone? Yeah, I broke my collarbone, still in the sling, um, three and a half weeks ago just up the road from Hanmer springs would you believe
0: <laughs> i uh i was kind of funny. <laughs> i was following you to a divide pretty closely especially on instagram with all your with all your posts and it just seemed like it was one thing after another after another and you finally got home and then you found out that your hand was broken and that wasn't yeah. too much of a deal and then you bloody go out and
1: break your collarbone i was like yeah just give it give him a break i know like it's crazy the last few months i've had I actually had a crash pre-Tour Divide on the Heafy track yep. and hurt my ribs, two crashes in the Tour Divide. Then after the Tour Divide, I went to Ireland to visit my family, and I got knocked off my bike uh, on a roundabout by a car. And then I come back to Hanra Springs, and I get wiped out by a possum three kilometers from here. <laughs> <laughs> my, so, you like, an accident waiting to happen. There. I know. That's the end of it now. That's it. <laughs> no more. <laughs>
0: No more. Oh, no, sure. Steve, it's been brilliant to chat to you, mate. Um, and where can people find you if they want to sort of follow you online or
1: find yeah, out more about um, what you're up I'm, to? I'm on Instagram at halligan.steve. And then from there, there's a link to my personal blog site with all kind of my stories and blogs from all my races and other information on there. So that's probably the best way.
0: Yep, lookup right. self
1: um, look repair. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And then Vibrant Living Retreats uh operating out of Hem Springs and I've uh been looking through your guys' website well a couple of times, but today especially before we um had this chat,
1: yeah.
0: I definitely think I'm gonna schedule in a, schedule in a couple of weeks away uh from the kids. Uh try and get the wife up there.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah, you should come yeah. up. we
0: have got to go room here plenty of room plenty of riding it looks
1: incredible yeah it's i'm really grateful to live in hammer springs because you know we've got the mountains right there gravel roads to blenheim or saint arnold you can do loops i ride to kaikoura quite a lot and we've got pretty good nice single track here as well so it's a pretty good place to live
0: yeah brilliant it looks phenomenal and i'll put all those links um over on the exponential performance coaching website under uh episode 70 so if anyone's yep. listening to this and they want to check out steve or reach out to steve and contact him then you can do so through that and the show notes over there
1: i'm mate. always happy to talk about bicycling
0: mate he loves he loves a good chat about bikes <laughs> <laughs> awesome thanks very much mate thank you matt that was awesome mate thanks for listening If you would like to support this podcast and see it continue into the future, you can do so in a number of ways. Firstly, make sure you subscribe to this channel on whatever platform you are listening. Like and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word. If you're feeling really generous, head over and leave a review and a rating over on iTunes. This helps spread the word and develop the podcast. All of this will help the podcast continue long into the future so we can keep bringing you the information you need to train hard, but most importantly, train smart.